Hello. Oh my gosh, it's been a while. How are you? How are we doing? I am currently sitting next to a cat, which is not mine, and this cat is making all the noise in the world. That's Jinx. That is my friends Sophie and George's cats. So I thought it'd be interesting to talk a little bit about teaching stereotypes and to have, I don't know, like a space where I talk a little bit about teaching. Teaching is something that I'm sick of talking about, but I'm also not sick of talking about in the sense that I constantly feel like I need to let out my perspective and experiences to do with teaching that I feel like aren't necessarily normalized. I'm going to try and do this as respectfully as possible. I do take my job seriously. Now, I wish I had a very good reason for why I haven't been doing the pod. I do have a good reason, but it sounds really silly. Um, I don't know how many of you have cats out there, but every time I open my laptop, I'm sure some of you experience this too. Every time I open my laptop and I start to do something productive on it, my cat decides I'm just gonna sit on your keyboard and I'm just gonna stay here. Every time I've started to do something, that's happened. And I think because I'm currently on the last legs of my October break, which is a week long, um, and I'm cat sitting for my friends who have cats that do not walk over my keyboard, (laughs) I'm fully taking advantage of this. I feel like because I'm talking in front of a cat, I'm the one that's annoying them, not the other way around. Okay, let's get into it. I feel like we need to start in a place where I kind of give you my insight on some of the misunderstandings I've had as a student that I now look back on as a teacher and I think to myself like past Clara you knew nothing about teaching and I think being a teacher right now gives me a lot of closure for some of the things that I used to be really confused about. I think for one like it never occurred to me as a student just how much planning and organizing really goes into each lesson how much collaborating like teachers talk to teachers you know like we're not just in little isolated bubbles of our classrooms and i will say as a teacher it feels really lonely in the classroom in the sense that you're the only person who has eyes and a perspective on what you want to do and what you're doing in terms of a teaching pedagogy standpoint pedagogy is the word that is a fancy schmancy term just to say teaching practice, um, teaching skill, whatever it is. I, I'm sure there's a better definition out there. Yeah, like I feel so incredibly alone in the classroom. And of course, outside of the classroom, there's collaborating, there's talking, there's meetings, there's all of that. All of that is like behind the scenes. Like as a student, I didn't realize how much my teachers probably talked and collaborated with each other and worked together, mainly because it was never really told to me that teachers talk to teachers, you know? And so I thought it was really amazing amusing when you would see like I don't know like two teachers talking you're like wow what you talk to each other like it's really weird and I think as a student I never thought that specific subject teachers would talk to different subject teachers but that's kind of like a silly conception that I had now that I think about it yeah and I think one of the biggest misconceptions is probably the fact that 
teachers do not have a lot of work after school because they end, quote unquote, end air quotes, end work at three. The school day ends at three. But I will say that there are a couple of times where I'm like working into the night and I'm thinking to myself, I've been awake for way too long. (laughs) I've been conscious for a very long time and it's showing because my lessons are getting scrappy and what I have planned for the next day is also getting scrappy. And so mistakes happen and I'm trying to be okay with that. But as it like it's as an educator, it's like if you make a mistake, it almost feels like the end of the world because people are supposed to model what you are setting an example for. And so if you make a mistake on something like a silly typo or like instructions are just not clear, I am really hard on myself for it. I'm not really that critical of other people, but when I do it myself and it's wrong, it's like, what on earth was I thinking? Like, why couldn't I do that simple thing? It's because I was awake since like 5 a.m. into like the night of 10 p.m. probably or 11. Yeah, so sleep, not a very, not a very great thing. I feel like there are so many instances where I'm just thinking, what am I doing? How am I awake for this long? How am I running on autopilot right now? I'm sure I know what I'm doing, but it's not registering to me. Yeah, so that's definitely one of them. Ooh, another big one is I would feel like I could be invisible as a student. And I think as a teacher right now, because as a student, I felt like that, not in a bad or positive way, it's like neutral. As a teacher, I'm like constantly keeping tabs on like every single kid. That's something that I try and do. And I want to say that I'm getting better at it, but it is a lot of work and it takes up a lot of brain space and memory. And I mean, it's worth it in the end, but I think as a student, I never thought that teachers knew me or like, I never thought that they would track my progress if I made any progress. And I guess it really differs from teacher to teacher, but I don't know, like even simple things. I feel like my name was never called in class in a positive way. And so I always try and call like a name in a positive way that doesn't really garner or demand any response or answers. It's just like a light nod of, hey, I know you exist in my room. So I wanted to just kind of throw your name out there so that you knew that I know that you exist in my classroom. Yeah, that's like one very small kind of medium that I have. Oh, Jinx is asleep. So those are some main misunderstandings. I'm sure I'm missing some out. And when I read some of yours, I will also resonate with a lot of them. I thought it'd be fun to just kind of pull the veal um, aside for some of the things that I feel like I can talk about. So let's see what you guys have for me. There is one opinion that has been worded several different times, more or less say the same thing. So a lot of you said that teacher workload is not that much and that they don't have a life outside of school. Um, I would say the workload is a lot and I feel like no one ever sees it because it's so performative based. And I want to say first, like I actually really wanted to talk to my teacher friends about this topic, but a lot of them are away right now and it's just so hard to coordinate schedules. So look forward to a part two of teacher misconceptions, misunderstandings um, featuring some people. Yeah, workload is a lot. I've had a kid like tell me like, oh yeah, uh, I'm sure, you know, being a primary teacher is a lot easier. And 
as a secondary teacher, from what I hear about primary teachers and from primary teachers, it's a different kind of workload and it's a different kind of heavy workload. There are a lot of kind of skills that you would take for granted in terms of secondary students that you don't realize they have to learn and figure out in primary. A lot of patience is a thing as well. And so I feel like the reason why we might think this is probably because all we see is maybe like an hour or so of that lesson with that teacher right and so for example like my kids don't see me at my desk just like cramming away trying to reshuffle the order of things trying to make sure my instructions make sense trying to make resources like no one sees that and there's no expectation that anyone really should right so it's not really something that is important either like I don't think it's important that kids know all the effort that I might put into one lesson let's say but I do think it's important to maybe be more open about the fact that things are a process I think these days I'm trying to challenge myself to doing the tasks that I'm setting my kids to do just to make sure that I can see where the process is going and if I don't experience it and I find it hard then how am I supposed to get you know my students to do it because it feels like I'm being a hypocrite keep in mind that I have a specific teaching style and a teaching direction that might be really different from other people so anything I say could really be really different from someone else's point of view. It's like a disclaimer. I'm sure you know that teachers have different teaching styles and I think that extends to different planning styles. So it's like not just in a classroom, but just how you approach things. I think someone that I met during my first beginnings of being a teacher said, I don't remember who, but someone told me, oh, are you the picture or are you the frame? And I was like, what does that mean? And they were like, well, in collaboration, you know, are you the type to build the structure and the steps and the organizing? Or are you the type to color in the lines, make sure that everything is fine too? Both are important, but are you the picture or are you the frame? I thought that was really interesting. I still don't know which one I am. I think working alone, I'm definitely trying to be more frame but I know in my heart, I am actually the picture in the sense that I'm really scattered. I know roughly what I want to paint, like a really messy painting. And then I kind of create the frame for it. Um, but yeah, anyway, workload. <laughs> like I will say I am focusing on one subject, right? But students are expected to focus on multiple subjects all at once. And I think that's a different kind of workload. Whereas mine is more like different subject levels and different students it's like it's different you know I, I think we're comparing apples to pears I hate the saying I hate using it but it feels like we're comparing apples to pears I think it's normal that you would pit the two against each other um because they are in the same context but so another answer to what are the misconceptions that you think you have about teachers they don't realize how much pressure they put on us yeah um I think like going back to me trying to do a task, I sometimes create a task and I get stressed out by how much we might demand of kids. And while all I'm really doing really is following like a criteria and a rubric, so like different levels of achievements basically um, that are part of curriculum given to us. How you get there is entirely up to you. Um, the point is that you have kids practice those skills, right? But when I create a task, I, I know I'm probably only a minority of teachers, I definitely realize the amount of pressure I feel creating a task. 
logically, I think I also translate it to, I know that this must be so stressful for some kids or most kids. And I don't think they realize that I realize it. I think they just think, oh, you know, she just wants us to do this entire task. But I tend to try and be very, very thoughtful about how I introduce something. And so when I'm given a really short time crunch to do that, I get really stressed. And I honestly don't think it shows, but there are days where I'm like, oh my gosh, like I, all I have to do today is to introduce a task, but I'm freaking out about forgetting something important or saying the wrong instruction or making them confused. Um, and so I will say that those lessons actually take long for me to prepare than regular lesson objective lessons where you have just like a skill you want to practice and you do it. But yeah, I think it's a lot of pressure, especially when assessments come around and tests come around and a lot of kids are just all like output and there's nothing that they're receiving. It's like all of them are just practicing something, improving themselves. That's rough. I try and be transparent about how a task is achieved but yeah it's it's hard because what you try to do is you try and think like a student like if I was a student how would I misunderstand this or if I was a student what are the confusing things I would have um this is why it's really important to ask for a second opinion about a lesson that you've done because sometimes I'll ask someone I'm like hey like what do you think of this is this is there anything you would add and they don't have to make the lesson with you but it's like if they're confused about anything, they'll tell you and it's helpful because another adult could not understand your instructions, which means a student probably couldn't understand them either. Yeah. <laughs> okay, next one. I think this one actually comes with the other one that they don't have social lives. Yeah. Okay, think about, just think about any classroom and any teacher you have or any subject. When do you have, you're basically in the lesson, you are observing this human being just talk with you hopefully with you not at you with you for about an hour or so and the only people they're interacting with is you and your classmates right so just picture that you don't have any other context in which you would just observe that same human being talk to other human beings of their age or career or maybe outside of school like you don't observe that right you observe them talking with you which is very different and so I think there have been a couple times where I actually have a friend who's mutual friends with one of my students right and that connection like blows their mind because it's like what like, why are you, why do you have friends? <laughs> like, I think that's a general impression I have. It's like, why do you have friends? Um, you have friends? Like, you, like, I once was talking, I was leading like a discussion about friendships and positive friendships and negative friendships and whatever. I remember, I think I was saying, like, yeah, with my best friend and I, blah, blah, blah. One of my students was like, wait, you have a best friend? And I was like, yes, surprise, you know, you would not believe. I definitely never had teachers who opened up about, you know, what their friendships are like, unless it had to do with a personal experience that is important for an anecdote. But that's because you don't observe, you know, your teachers talk to their friends. That's a weird context. You only see them in the school context. Yeah, that's another thing. Like, I think it's hard to imagine your teacher's having the same kind of experiences with friendship, making friends and stuff as like an adult that you're meant to see as maybe a leading example for what to do in society. I don't know, depends on your teachers. And so there is a misconception that we don't have social lives. Also paired with like the workload that we have, which is a lot. Um, I'm surprised by the amount of socializing I managed to do outside of work. 
And it's hard because there's only really the weekend for me to do that where I feel like I can have space to do that. Whereas kind of when I'm at the weekdays, like dinner, that's fine. Like I make dinner plans, but I will say that the likelihood that I'm fully conscious by 8 p.m. is very rare. I will look awake, but my brain is starting to melt at around 7.59. And at around 8.30 on the dot, I start just rambling and saying stuff, almost like I'm running on autopilot and I'm really holding on. Um, So it's hard to find time to socialize. And also it's hard to do that when you feel like I don't know like I I generally when I first started out I really struggled with feeling like I could just drop my work for a bit and just do something that I enjoyed and that I felt I needed to do so for example if I had a couple of papers to grade I would drop them for maybe two hours and just go for a walk or go and see like I don't know jinx the cat and like pet her for a bit and meanwhile right no one knows that you're doing that so you're You'll constantly get emails, you'll get messages, you'll get anything that's thrown on your way. And I think that's why a lot of teachers actually have a rule about not opening their inboxes on weekends. <laughs> oh, it's the auto feeder. Jinx is running. Okay. Anyway, yes, like I found it really hard to feel like I didn't have to constantly be glued. And I think maybe because teaching as a job is so consequential in the sense that every decision you make impacts someone, right? And so I feel like if I don't do anything and I have inaction, that also impacts someone. And it's hard to kind of shake off that shadow of I'm a teacher, I am constantly influencing and impacting an environment and a community no matter what I do or don't do that will impact someone and that's still a pressure that I feel today as a teacher like every time I feel like I want a break there's a part of my brain that's like no don't take a break like you promised you would get this done you're going to help this kid you're going to help you know this specific piece of work that you think could be a bit better it's also like because if you don't do it it's also really isolating because if I don't do it, then no one else is going to do it, right? Like this is my class. This is my responsibility. The list goes on. And so I think actually this is not a misconception in the sense that I still have a social life to some extent, but at the same time, I feel like I can't. So it's kind of like, I have a misconception that I shouldn't have a social life. It's very mixed. And I think when I was living with Isabel, it was really helpful for me to see like, hey, like I can balance this out. And obviously ever since living alone, like I've had to make extra efforts to go forth with, you know, making plans and trying to step out of the house myself and try to make time for things that will bring me joy and bring me like a sense of burnout release, whatever you call it. Wow, I could talk about this forever. I want a part two of this where I actually have a guest come on and I know the perfect person to ask but I have to ask that person and so part two is coming another one they chose the job because it's easy I think actually it was easy for me to choose the job but the job is not easy does that make sense like I graduated as an English major right there's not much that you can do as an English major. The common conclusion that people make is, oh, you are studying English. Are you going to be a teacher? Like that's that's where it kind of leads to. It's definitely hard and I feel like I'm never going to finish studying, but now I'm not the one that's in the carriage. I am the one that's leading the horses to the place where the carriage is going. 
that's a terrible analogy. I am sorry. Anyway, but yeah, it's definitely not easy. And I think there were a couple times where I think during like a first week before work this year, we had like an introduction week and there was a video that they showed us where I think a couple teachers were reading letters from their students or they were hearing some students reading letters to them. One of the reactions that one of these teachers said, and she was a secondary teacher, she just started tearing up and she was like, it feels rewarding because teaching is is hard. It's so hard. And she just starts crying. And I was sitting in this introduction space, right? Keep in mind, I knew like maybe 10% of the people in the room because I'm new. And I was about to start crying. Like I feel like maybe it was a lot of pressure that built up over the summer or some extra aftermath pressure that I didn't let out from my previous school year but I really teared up and I feel like the way to get most teachers to cry is just to acknowledge like hey like teaching's hard it's so hard and then you'll see like depending on how much it has crossed their mind they might just start crying like me um Another one, teachers know about everything. Wrong, I know nothing. If I say a fun fact, it's probably because I learned it in the past 24 or 48 hours, if I'm honest. Like if I say a fun fact, it's been on my mind for maybe 48 hours maximum. I definitely don't know everything. I think a lot of the times I do bluff about stuff and I kind of get away with it. I don't lie about it, but like I bluff about stuff if I think it's actually logical or somewhere along the lines of truth. Okay, there's a lot of responses that say some people always say that teachers have their favorite students and there's also another one that's like that they don't have a favorite. We know they do. It's only natural. I want to reframe the wording of favorite, right? Like so as a student, I was never a favorite kid. Like I will say coming out of my previous teaching year, I knew all my kids just like inside out. Like I cared for for all of them. I cared for all of those kids. And I want you to just picture like, imagine you have to get to know a room of like more than 20 kids times how many lessons or classes you have. And within the first month or so, you're trying to figure out which kids are more open or like I'm trying to figure out this is how I do it. I don't know why I'm talking like it's a general (laughs) thing. It's not. It's just my experience. I'm trying to figure out, okay, who is more open and more comfortable naturally? Who is more open with socializing and being vocal? And who needs a little bit more patience and maybe not patience, but just who's happy to observe first and then step in when necessary. And most likely, like if you imagine going into a room of like I've been to a housewarming party one or two recently and it's overwhelming to me to walk into a room of so many people. And I think instantly you're trying to figure out where are the natural kind of connections, where are the connections that kind of already are forming and which ones do you have to kind of pay more attention to and, you know, put more effort to. I think students constantly surprise me and I definitely had a couple students from my previous year who really surprised me by like midway of the year and they weren't favorites but they were really strong connections right like you won't connect with every single person in the room but I think I will care for every single person in the room it just happens to always be like that um And I will say it's like a mutual thing, right? Like we can always tell, or I can always tell when a student just wants to be left alone 
and I can always tell when it's a good day to talk to them more and get to know them more and chat with them. I think it was really rewarding for me to see how I could build connections with students over time. Like they're not going to happen overnight. As a student, I thought, oh, they're definitely the favorite. It's only because they were very open to answer back and react and like talk as well. And like, because everything about teaching is so performative, I think it also relies on how much attention you witness being given to someone, right? And so if there's more attention, and attention is usually given in several ways, there's an actual full-blown conversation, there's, you know, joking. The more attention that, let's say, I give to a student externally that is seen right? The more people around me who are observing this interaction will think, oh, they definitely get along. I could never get along like that because she hasn't talked to me, which is so sad <laughs> to me. Like, I, I don't think there's any way to tell like a kid that I care about them indirectly. Like, I feel like I always have to say it directly. And sometimes that's awkward, right? You don't want to do that because that's weird. Like, what do I do? Like, do I walk into a room and I just go like, hey, just, so you know, like I care about you. Right. And usually it's hard for teenagers or even just like adults, right? To hear a compliment like that or hear something like you're important and to actually process it as truth almost seems like anything that I perform can also be redeemed as false, um, no matter how genuine or transparent I'm trying to be. As a student, I definitely felt like my teachers had favorites. And I think now looking back, it's just maybe I felt like they were favorites because they tend to be the ones who were open to receiving conversation and attention and were just more kind of comfortable with talking to a teacher. It's hard to make that connection indirectly. I think the only thing that I would say is that I definitely felt like I could hide and just disappear because my name was never said in class or I would never talk in class. And then I kind of switched it around when I kind of grew up and I went to uni. I tried to be more participating and I tried to be more open. And I saw the other side of it where if I was more open to having conversations and I felt more comfortable being brave and like trying to get things wrong and just have a discussion. I felt like, hey, I am actively participating in this space. I'm not just watching from like a window, almost like a figurative window. I won't say that, you know, there aren't some kids that I feel stronger connections with because that's just a lie, right? I think that's always a case where you will feel a stronger connection, but I care about every kid that I've had and one way or another, like I've cared about them. And I still, you know, think about funny anecdotes every now and then, like they just pop into my head. And I think it just sucks that kids won't understand or they will take a longer time to grasp the idea of just because I'm having a really engaged conversation with one person, it doesn't mean that they're insignificant in my classroom. Like I, I wish it wasn't like a seesaw, like it's, it may be different for other people. I don't know. I'm, I'm literally just, I'm, I keep disclaiming myself, but it's only because I don't want to generalize and say that I'm speaking for every single teacher out there. Ooh, okay. Last one before we close this off. That teachers, especially for younger students, are babysitters. Ugh, this is terrible. I don't know. I can't really comment on this that much, mainly because I feel like, I don't really feel this for secondary school. Um, but I will say that there is a misconception that teaching younger 
students is easier and more about entertaining them. And it's really hard to handle because of it. Now, I've taught middle school, right? And I will say that kids in seventh grade and above are not, they have so much spark in them and so much energy and like just they want to take on challenges more and they will definitely really give you energy as well as drain energy from you at the same time like it's it's a weird combination but it's like I've had kids who I genuinely feel like I can have conversations with so teaching younger year groups lets me practice and be better at providing structure for my lessons and like instructions and visual guides and all of that so that you know, teaching older year groups, I can also bring that in because everyone needs a good visual guide every now and then, right? It's not just one thing. Anyway, I would love to know more. I think I'm going to send out another one for when I have a guest. That'll be really fun. I'm really excited. Um, I definitely want this to happen. And so I'm going to try and make that happen. But I want to have this discussion with another teacher because I feel like this is such a narrow perspective for these really common thoughts I feel like I'm providing a very narrow perspective and I would love to hear another side of it as well keep in mind I am just speaking from my experience as a teacher and I don't teach the same way as every teacher in the world yeah but I am so excited to have this podcast episode be out and published. I don't know when this will happen. If you're still in school hope your week goes well if you're also a teacher out there we got this and for any of my friends listening, hello. Hi, how are you? Um, yeah, hopefully this kind of, I want to say this is a part one. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a wonderful week ahead. Have a wonderful day, wherever you are. Wholeheartedly, Clara.